0: Let's go.
1: Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today, author of Parents of the World Unite and senior advisor for America First Legal, Ian Pryor. How's it going, man?
0: Thanks for having me. It's going well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, not so much for the country, but for yeah. you personally. Um, give us a little uh, uh, bio on you, who you are, what you do.
0: Sure. So I kind of helped lead the parents revolution here in Loudoun County, Virginia, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, Back in 2021, that was that was the area where there was a cover up of a sexual assault by a gender fluid boy in a girl's bathroom. Uh, Superintendent lied about it to the to the entire community at a school board meeting. And then the kid was transferred to another school where he sexually assaulted a second person in October of 2021. we started a, an organization called Fight for Schools out there, we, um, because of all the things that they were doing, I mean, they put a teacher on suspension for speaking at a school board meeting, they were pushing critical race theory, gender ideology, so, you know, we put together a team of parents to, to really fight back and, and shine a spotlight of accountability on our school system, which, you know, I think we did, and, and it led to ultimately the election of Glenn Youngkin, Winsome Sears, and Jason Miarez. And now we're actually starting to see some some change, and you know we're starting to see it all over the country too, where, where parents are standing up. So I think it's um, it's a testament to, to people seeing what was going on, uniting, and and starting to work together.
1: Yeah, it's you know um, <clears throat> one of my one of my NCOs in the military back in the day, or one of my first sergeants rather, told me it's not what you expect that happens; it's what you inspect that happens. And we've kind of fallen asleep at the wheel as a culture. You know, I mean, it's like. There's almost an element of incredulity to it. Like nobody would ever take children to a fucking drag show. Nobody would ever try to teach kids that they're intrinsically racist because of the color of their skin or anything like that. That's that's impossible. Nobody's that dumb. Well, it turns out that uh, a plurality, at least, if not a majority of primary educators in this country are doing exactly that.
0: Yeah, and and I honestly had no idea any of this stuff was going on. You know, I don't even I mean, I'm ashamed to say I did not even vote in our school board elections four years ago. Because I just assume, you know, you bring your kids to school, everything's fine, everyone's got their best interests at heart. It wasn't really until COVID and then post-George Floyd where I started seeing some of this stuff in in the ether. Um, And specifically in my community, you had a lot of people posting, everything's racist. If you voted for Trump, you're a Nazi. If you're a Republican, you're a racist. And I started to see that in the school as well and some of the things that they were talking about. They they brought on this consultant uh, called the Equity Collaborative. To, to do an equity audit in, in 2019. And I, I looked at this and it was crazy. I mean, they would have, they would, inter, they would do focus groups, right? They excluded Asian and Caucasian parents, but they did focus groups with other parents. And you get stories, anonymous stories like, well, this kid, my kid got in a fight and the other kid got a day suspension and my kid got two days suspension, therefore it's racist. It's like, well, yeah, maybe it is, or, or maybe it's not, right? I mean, maybe there's other situations that, that aren't being fully disclosed in this. Yet they rubber stamped all of that, said, okay, you've got a problem, you've got to keep us on board. They ended up, I sent a Freedom of Information Act, my first move here in this in this little struggle, found out they spent half a million dollars on this equity audit and then kept this company on for $625 an hour for the next two years to really implement all this stuff into our school system. And I think know that was my activation moment that's Mm -hmm. when i realized that this is big money they're taking taxpayer money and you know they're shoving it down our our kids throats
1: that's kind of the deal now right so you you uh and i say now i guess it's not really now um the left likes to take a social issue and weave some kind of justice narrative into it and then monetize that and keep it going forever right Like so just the the welfare system in general as it exists in america is uh it's a it's a for-profit industry right i mean you're, you're just keeping people on it is t- yeah i
0: mean i call it the educational industrial complex because you've got obviously these big money consultants you've got your administrators who have all gone through the the higher ed pipeline where you know this stuff is is spoon fed to them and then you've got school board members that you know they're either activists or they're political climbers right where they're just you know stepping there to to move up to the next level but then you've got in your community sort of the, the activists right and they want to be part of something they want to they want to feel heroic and so they latch on to these causes thinking it's you know the next civil rights movement but then they take it way too far and that's really when when things got heated out here i mean we had a little private facebook group called the anti-racist parents of loudon county um, and in march of 2021 they decided that they were going to make a list of parents and uh, they wanted to uh infiltrate those parent groups publicly expose them hack their websites and and lead, and redirect them to pro critical race theory websites and yeah i found my my name on that list from somebody i knew and uh i think you know 60 to 70 other people did too and it was like no this is this isn't going to happen you guys are in charge of our school and this is what you're doing you're trying to cancel people because they have policy disagreements with you i mean not going to happen
1: hmm. i mean i i like that people have this even today when we've kind of zapped all the patriotism and and you know self-reliance and, and community out of our out of our country um, I, I like that people still have this intrinsic compulsion to be part of something right and to see what they just, just to have the idea that there might be some injustice and then have the the uh, uh wherewithal and motivation to try to do something about it having a sense of purpose in your community is a very important thing it's what's kept our communities good for a very long time but again i I think we've and when i say we i don't even mean any kind of political class or any of that bullshit. i mean uh uh, just regular people maybe that may disagree on some of the finer points of life but generally agree on most things have fallen asleep at the wheel and we've not provided any kind of alternative to the insane bullshit that the, you know, leftists have been trying to push down our throats all this time there. I mean, what? Let me ask you this, you're, you're, uh, I assume you're on the conservative side of things. Uh, what, uh, what have what have conservatives in mainstream politics done conservatively in, a, in, in your lifetime, really? I mean, honestly? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, it's, it, it certainly isn't much, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back over the last two years, we've seen actual movement, whether it's school choice or, you know, states banning this so-called quote, gender affirming care, mm-hmm. but really they've been, they have been asleep at the wheel. And, and it's always, you know, I look at the 2022 election and it really frustrated me because in 2021, we had all these parents rising up in Virginia and it actually led to change. In 2022, people were running for office and all they talked about were the same things, right? And I get it, the economy, inflation, big deal. That's all they talked about. They didn't talk about what was going on in the education system. They didn't talk about some of these crazier things. And then they wonder why you know they don't win because those are the things that have longer term impacts and people are starting to look at those now, but they don't, they don't pay attention to it unless you drive the narrative, right? Unless you talk about it. So if you look at a poll and every politician and candidate has to do everything by the polls, right? You look at the poll, the economy is always gonna be number one, but that doesn't mean you're gonna win on it. Then you look at things like education and th- these kind of issues. Yeah, they'll be down at four or five until you start talking about them. And then when you start talking about them, they will rise to number one. And that's what we saw in Virginia, where like education was number five in June of 21. And by October or by the weekend before the election, it was the number one issue because people were talking about it. The problem is we, we focus all our energies on these national issues, uh, international issues, whatever, you name it. And nobody's paying attention locally. And that's where all the stuff gets baked in. And then they start bringing it up and up and up and up. And next thing you know, you know, it's out of control and there's nothing you can do about
1: it. Yeah. And if you're wondering, I mean, I I think a lot of people um, just from people who understand Republicanism and federalism will will agree with that point in general. That, you know, most of the heavy lifting does get done at the local level or community level or state or whatever it is. Um, But if you're wondering what and i and i do consider these folks to be the enemy if you're wondering what the enemy's up to um just look no further than soros funding 275 different da and judge races throughout the country it wasn't he's not bankrolling uh uh, federal candidates he's bankrolling gavin newsom's recall campaign and judges and district attorneys and shit like that it should tell you exactly i mean that that's tactics will will very frequently tell you exactly what the enemy's plan is, right? And their plan is to capture the the criminal justice system and weaken it. And their plan is to uh, capture local politics, right? I mean, that's just kind of obvious we've
0: got We've got a Soros prosecutor right here in my county, uh, and it's been a disaster. But, you know, she won by, I don't know, a point and a half because she got a last minute, you know, close to a million dollar infusion from Soros because they see these as points on the board where nobody else is investing. And even now I look around and I say, well, where's, where's, we're conservatives. Where's their version that says, all right, well, we have to go take these places back. They don't. I mean, they spend all the money at the top. Everyone's always focused at the top of the ticket while the left comes in, they put people in schools, they put people in prosecutor's office, they get judges. And then we have no check and balance on the policies that come from whether it's the federal government state government or local government so they've captured everything and if you look at like a school system you've got a superintendent superintendent usually isn't elected but they run the show Mm. and then a school board is just going to rubber stamp it right and so you go all right well i want to challenge that in court but if you've got judges that aren't willing to say you know what you have a constitutional right as a parent to know if you know your daughter is a boy in school and you know you don't want that to happen the school shouldn't do that no judges say "Well, no you know there's a couple of cases out there that are crazy like how can you honestly rule that way but when you start putting in the uh, judiciary system the criminal justice system these these far left prosecutors and judges that's the result you're going to get and they completely capture all institutions
1: yeah and again uh it i i it... You have to think that they're, uh, or you have to see that they're telegraphing what, what, the, uh, what the overarching plan is here. It's like um, you go after certain institutions and then immediately pivot towards children for some reason. I mean, this wasn't, nobody gave a fuck about drag shows until people started bringing children to them. You know what I mean? I've never heard, in all in my entire life, I've never heard a single person complain about a drag show happening somewhere. Not once. Until, like, the middle of last year. When people were like, you know, fuck you, I'm going to take my kid and have some grown man wag his genitals in their face while dressed like a woman. Like, and, then, and then now there's children on stage dancing as well. I wonder from your perspective, you, you've been involved in this school stuff a lot. Uh, uh, why do you think it is that leftists are going so hard after kids, aside from just grooming? And I don't just mean sexually groomed, but politically grooming as well. But aside from that, it seems, there seems to be something more nefarious going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy that the stuff you see in there and, and I don't know, you know, I I'd love that answer, too, because it's I've never seen anything like this. You know, when I was a kid, you didn't have these kind of books in the libraries. You didn't have these kind of lessons. Nobody was talking about boys going into girls rooms or girls being able to become boys. I mean, certainly from a pharmaceutical standpoint. I think there's there's going to be big money in this, right, in these surgeries and these hormones and puberty blockers, so you always have to look at the financial motivation. But beyond that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that, again, they're just so willing to be part of something. And they're not seeing exactly what is happening, which is which is child abuse. And and certainly as far as the political piece, I mean, I think we know that with people have said that straight up. I've seen some videos over the last week on Twitter where it's you get in their minds early. You build a whole new generation of leftists so that, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, you know, that's what you're looking at. Now, I will say one thing, though. I mean, if you think about traditionally how our country has gone or just generationally, there's usually a pushback. You know, so the adults are pushing something, or if the adults are are looking at this, you know, society and, and um living a certain way, the, the younger generation kind of looks at the parents and says, Well, that's that's crazy. Mm. And it kind of creates a little bit of a pushback. So there's there's hope there because I've I've talked to a lot of kids and I mean they're just like, This is ridiculous. We see the negatives. It gets it gets boosted by obviously social media and, and people talking about it because it's just so insane. But I do think there's You're going to see a lot of a lot of kids growing up looking at this saying this is this is absolutely crazy and hopefully they um they grow up to be more mature than than their
1: parents sure yeah i mean uh holding out hope for the contrarian in middle school right now um uh, seems like we're in kind of dire streets here but yeah it's the the public education system in, in the united states has always been geared towards training children not to question authority frankly i'm not a big fan of it it's it's um You know, Rockefeller's commented on it, Uh, Henry Ford commented on it, like we want workers that are smart enough to run the machines, but not smart enough to do the math and realize we're fucking them over, right? Um, And you do hope that, you do hope that there's some kind of uh, contrarian wave that comes out. But honestly, uh, I'm glad you're seeing it at that lower level, because I don't, I don't really interact with kids that age. All my friends' kids are a little bit younger than that. So we'll see, I guess, in the coming years. Um, but it's, you know, this is uh, just a, a very fertile breeding ground for child predators, I feel like. And it turns out we maybe should have paid a little bit more attention to people who are opting in to being around other people's children. You know what I mean? That seems like, and, and in hindsight, that seems like it may have been a pretty good deal pretty are a pretty good idea rather and instead we just kind of like oh it's a bunch of uh primarily single white women in in early stage primary education uh and you know i don't know if that was just like a oh oh, that's not they're not going to do anything weird that's just a normal person but yeah you can't really take that for granted
0: yeah and you know you talk about things like questioning the government right so Hakeem Jeffries uh, last week talked about how oh, these, these MAGA Republican parents, uh, they don't want to teach their kids about the Holocaust. I like, that's crazy, right? I mean, first of all, it's not true. Um, but I went and I did a little deep dive into our local libraries. And there's a book called Beyond Magenta. It's about a transgender mm-hmm. kid. There was like 17 copies of that. Then there's I Am Jazz. That was uh, another transgender book. There's 31 copies. And then there's a, a, Another Boy or The Other Boy, another transgender book. 39 copies. Okay. Zero copies of Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Zero copies of the Pentagon Papers. And I, I put that out and had some people saying, well, those are long books. It's like, oh, oh, so that's the standard now if it's too long. Well, you've got Stephen King's It in the library. You've got The Stand in the library. You don't see, those, those books are pretty long, too. What they're doing is, I mean, when I went to school, I learned all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Pentagon Papers in 11th grade and Daniel Ellsberg and all those things to kind of look and see, hey, you know, your government don't just assume that everything that comes on the news or everything that comes from your elected officials is the truth they don't teach that anymore instead they just put this stuff you know these graphic novels kids can't even read anymore all they can do
1: is read graphic novels
0: and they expect that you know people are just going to fall in line
1: mm. yeah I mean I this it's it's very ironic to you because our country is kind of built on not trusting centralized federal authority <laughs> uh, it, it's we're, we're we're certainly not operating as intended right now. Um, and you work with, uh, as you mentioned before, an organization called America First Legal. What exactly is that? What do you guys do?
0: So we're a public interest litigation organization.
1: So basically,
0: you know, we look for areas where you know the Constitution is being trampled on. So I do a lot of work in the parental rights space and the education space. Um, you know, some of the cases we have. I mean, we have one case where we're, we're challenging a rule saying. Yeah, parents don't get to know if their kid identifies a, as a different gender. Or we've got another case where we've got a coalition of parents, both Christians and Muslims, that are challenging the bathroom policy, where, you know, a biological boy can go in and use the girls' room. And if, oh, you you have a problem with it as the biological girl, well, you know, you can go use the single-use restroom. Um, you know, other things we're doing, I mean, we're, we're sending EEOC letters on, uh, on reverse discrimination through corporations. I mean, those kind of issues that, you know, used to be third rail and, and people— People want to bring those cases, but they don't have the
1: money to do it. Uh, And so that's that's what we're about. So the ACLU, but you actually do what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, the ACLU, which used to be an organization that regardless of, you know, regardless of the case would take it if it was to enforce somebody's constitutional rights, is now just a completely political organization. I mean, all I ever see is them tweeting in all caps. You know, you are on stolen land on on Thanksgiving. I mean, what what is that?
1: Uh, I don't know, but they can. I, I know where their their headquarters yeah. is. They they're welcome to get the fuck out and let let a native have that land if they would like to. I yeah. mean, that's that's always an option. ACLU, um, and you guys, what are what are some interesting cases you guys have worked on recently? I know there's a lot of stuff going on over there, and I. I uh see some of it come across in twitter and news articles and on tucker sometimes But what what do you got going on right now that's super interesting
0: well yeah as i said so we're in the bethel school district Mm -hmm.
1: and that's one where we're challenging the bathroom policy is that the one where the the 150 kids lined up to use the single bathroom and got in trouble or whatever
0: no but i did see that and i want to get in touch with some Mm -hmm. of those parents because that's crazy and (laughs) you know not to get too much into legal theory but you know one of the problems i mean there's the bathroom stuff is split so in the 4th circuit they say you got an equal protection right to use whatever bathroom that you want same thing in the 7th circuit but in the 11th circuit there was a case saying no 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 you can segregate bathrooms based on biological sex and that's not a constitutional violation the problem is you know going to some circuits like where i am in virginia you know, they say, well, they look at that law. That law says he has an equal protection right to use that bathroom. Okay, sure, but what if you what if you put the girl's right against the boy's right, right? You, you mean to tell me that in a case of a bathroom or a locker room, you're gonna get the, let the boy feel safe and comfortable in the bathroom of the sex that they identify with, but you're gonna tell the girl, you're not gonna give her that accommodation, you're gonna make her go to a single-use bathroom? I mean, that sounds like sex discrimination to me. So I, that's kind of an interesting theory that, that I'd like to see, you know, more, um, more litigation on, uh, you know, some of the other issues that that we work on, we, we sued the Biden administration last year, I believe, or maybe it was two years ago over their, um, discriminatory farm policy, you know, giving out, giving out grants to, um, you know, only minorities and excluding Caucasians. Like, those are the kind of cases that, that we look to look to bring.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty weird. The, the way that, This is just uh, the way that I've seen. I see this playing out. Like, if you want to understand if a social justice movement of any kind is genuine, it's like, what exactly are we? Where's the finish line, right? That's kind of where I look to first. Where's the finish line? What? What could? And I think it's a good steelman opportunity too. Like, talk to a, a feminist or a gender right person or whatever the fuck they're called, and say, you know, what would constitute the finish line for you where would you be done with your activism exactly now most of them will say they'll never be done right which i that person is automatically done i don't i don't want to hear any more from them but when you look at the the movements again it's it's very telegraphed like all of a sudden men make the best women you know what i mean so it seems like uh maybe that was the the point all along whether it's some kind of you know deep-seated misogyny or if it's just Orwell, right, and in the, in the end the state would tell you 2 plus 2 equals 5 and you would have to believe it because of the logic of their position demanded it. You know what I mean? It seems like probably the latter. I don't, I don't know that that many people could just be captured by some cabal of uh, subversive misogynist. I just think it's, it's got the balls rolling so far so fast down the hill at this point that nobody can stop it. And you don't want to be, as you mentioned before, the person who reaches out and grabs the third rail,
0: yeah, and I mean, you look at you look at big tech, social media. I mean, I think where we are, I like to say we have two choices going forward, right? With technology and, and our communications ability, we're either going to be Star Trek, we're going to be able to explore the universe and and whatnot, or we're going to be Skynet, and it's looking closer to Skynet right now. It, you know, the problem is back you know 20 years ago and before, there was limited space for people to be able to you know have their voices heard at this maximum level. You know, there's sort of a barrier of entry. You have to mm-hmm. be intelligent, you had to have good points, you had to, you know, work with civility. Now, anybody can spout off about anything and you get the crazies all starting to work together and it grows and it grows and it grows and it creates this mob of people that just have these bad ideas that just roll downhill. Then the media picks it up because the media has endless bandwidth too, right? I mean, it used to be a newspaper, you got 16, 20 pages, you can only fit so much in on a daily basis or a a nightly news show that was 30 minutes long. You know now you've got 24 7 cable news you've got endless bandwidth to write about anything on the internet and you look at some of these stories that come out i mean they're just so stupid i don't know if you saw the one on cnn talking about um you know if you're white and you use a gif of a black person that's digital blackface and racist like who thought that was a good idea to write you know but the problem is they have got all these writers they got all this bandwidth they can just put it on the internet and it's a story
1: yeah it's really stupid I mean, incredibly dumb. Uh, I we, we dealt with this <clears throat> in the military. We called this uh, the good idea theory. It's where everything's going well, but somebody needs to get a good uh, evaluation report. So they have to think of a new idea, right? And uh, wedge it in somehow and get credit for it so they can get promoted. It kind of seems like it's that. It's like the uh, it's there's some competition to be the next person, that th- to be the next Ibrahim X. Kendi or some stupid shit like that. You know what I mean? It it does. It feels like that. It's almost competitive. And that's why uh, my buddy Chris Williamson calls it the 360 degree firing squad. It's like this competitive based purity contest that inevitably ends up with everybody pointing their guns at each other. Nobody's pure enough. Like, well, I'm the one that thought of that. And you're now you're wrong. You know what I mean?
0: yeah I mean and everyone's trying to outwoke each other and at what point are you not woke enough mm. to be in with your woke friends right and it, it's it's just a never-ending cycle I mean you know you see it you see it in your own neighborhoods in your own communities i mean look we had um in my neighborhood after george floyd one one woman tried to organize a, a George floyd chalk drawing in the the driveways for kids like no kids wanted to do that like no kids want to do that. It's just you that wants to show your kid off and your ideas off so that everybody can see how how great and virtuous you are. Everyone's trying to bring it. And that's what the problem with the with this gender stuff and, and parents. I mean, you look at the you look at the numbers and they'll say, oh, the the spike, right? So boomers, Gen X, millennials, and then Gen Z. And Gen Z, you've got all these kids that are identifying as transgender. Nobody in Gen X, right? Um, and they say, well, that's because we're more, uh, we're more approving of that now. That's, that's the line they use. Okay, well, if we're more approving of that, then how come you're not seeing all the Gen X people that were repressed transgender people saying, well, now I'm going to go do this, mm. right? Because it doesn't exist. It's a social contagion. It's a social contagion that is also driven by parents who want social credit. And they're using their kids for social credit, which is insane.
1: This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roasts, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like... Light, dark, medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by Ghostbed. Dot com forward slash drink and bros. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months. That's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Bros, Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. So it's like, uh, uh, what you, what the fuck is it called? The um, the pageant moms, basically. But just in social issues at this point. It's like that mom, that parent that puts their six-year-old in a Nirvana t-shirt or something. Like, oh, is little Timmy a big Nirvana fan? Um, probably not. Yeah, What so... This, this stuff is all obviously ridiculous. I agree with you. It's a social contagion. If you look at the numbers, um, something somewhere a little bit less than 0.5% of the population report some kind of physiological intersex trait, right? That is to say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they have uh, some kind of chromosomal issue or they have a physical trait that would identify them as such. And then 10 times that amount of people identify as transgender, which is nonsense, right? I mean, it's what What do you? Is it just people are so insecure and need to fit in? It can't just be that because that's we people have always been more or less insecure uh, uh, about certain things. And I don't remember this, this, this seems like the dumbest period in human history to me.
0: Well, you know, the problem is, and I call it the school to scalpel pipeline, the problem is, you go to school and in fifth grade, I mean, there's a book, I've seen it. It's called "It Feels Good to Be Yourself," right? And it's it's a little cartoon book. And if you're a kid and you're in your class library and you pick it up, you start getting these ideas. Of, oh, you know, this five-year-old saying, "When I was born, my doctor had to guess at my sex. Like, no, no, they didn't. It was it was right there." Uh, and then I told my parents when I was three um, that I'm a boy now. And and fortunately, I have good parents, so they understood that to be the truth. Like what? So they start seeing this stuff, and these ideas become somewhat normalized, right? And then you get to be 12, 13, you know, maybe you're feeling uncomfortable. You get the option now. It's not just an option. It's, oh, this is totally normal. This is not something that's, you know, uh, you're out of left field here. Let's go talk to, you know, a physician or let's go talk to a therapist. No, this is normal. You can do this. So they do it in school as a way to, to feel like they've got this extra civil right, because really they do. Right. I mean, if you're just a a boy that identifies as a boy, well, you 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 got one bathroom you can use. If you're a boy that identifies as a girl, why well, you can use either one. So now you have extra rights, and so you you start seeing other friends doing this, and it just it all clusters into one area. Then next thing you know, if your parents are like, well, this is great, now I get to show everybody how noble I am. Now you're off to get puberty blockers, or you're off to get cross-sex hormones. Right. And then next thing you know, you get in surgery and then three years later, you're like, what did I do to myself? Mm, I mean, so, that is what is happening here.
1: Yeah. It used to be like, uh, oh, my kid, uh, uh, made the honor roll and I'm proud of them. Now it's just like, oh, little, little Tamara's Temmy." now, you know, that any, that's what he wants to be called. I'm calling him he now like, oh God, you're fucking stupid, dude. You're really dumb. Yeah. It, it is, it is uh poison. They're poisoning the mind of these kids, unfortunately. Um, and a big part of that, I think, is the social media aspect as well. I, 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 I tend to believe that the adults in their lives in the classroom are a lot more uh, effectual than just TikTok. Everybody's blaming TikTok for everything now. And, look, it's not great. But, and No social media is particularly good. But um, I, I wonder from your perspective what do you think about this move to ban TikTok because conservatives, you know, giving the state the power to ban things that doesn't sound extremely conservative to me frankly
0: well you know i guess my concern with tiktok is you know you've got china running tiktok they've got their own little friendly tiktok in china which is fantastic right i mean it's all educational and then and then they use tiktok here to to further divide on the other hand banning things is always a problem right i mean they accuse us of being book banners now i think it's a little different when you're a School, and you're paying for books to be in mm. a classroom library. That's not book banning, that's selecting books or not selecting them. Um, but you know, I mean, I think look, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, you're going to get this stuff everywhere. It's not just TikTok, right? I mean, yeah, that's the one that gets all the you know, all the credit because of libs of TikTok. Mm. Um, but I think you're going to find this at YouTube. I mean, you can go on YouTube, girls can go on YouTube and learn about binders right, and learn how to how to get puberty blockers and how to get um, testosterone. So just banning TikTok isn't going to solve that problem.
1: Yeah. And the the way that they're currently trying to ban it now, I, if I remember correctly, Trump wanted to ban TikTok and people stopped him from doing that. Right. Which I assume anybody trying to stop him from doing something falls on the left side of the aisle. Now there's kind of a big push to ban it. And it's, uh, you know, ironically from people who are heavily financially invested in the competition of TikTok, which, uh, you know, that's probably, that probably doesn't play a role in it. But the, the thing to doing right now is called the restrict act and it, it gives the government pretty broad authority over all forms of com- communication in and out of the country one, and then any finance in and out of the country as well. It's not limited to, to speech. It's not limited to social media. It's, it's, uh, even even the term uh, the term covered transaction that they use repeatedly refers to uh, any current past or even potential future transaction. Um, this is why, like I, I understand, the idea of people wanting to uh, you know police what their children are seeing. I understand that we're in a more complex world than we were thirty years ago, where you know even latchkey parents were pretty pretty comfortable that there were only three television channels or maybe you had cable but you can put parental blocks on it's a lot more difficult on the internet for sure i understand that but giving the centralized state power over all of us and what we are and are not allowed to see well we didn't even give them that power before and they were using it on twitter and facebook and google right so what are they going to do when they're legally allowed to do this stuff
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I think you look at what's what's happened with the rise of the administrative state over the past, what, 60, 70 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think we want to go further down that path. I think we want to sort of roll back the power of the federal government uh, in our lives for sure. But, you know, I mean, look, I think I won't let my kids get TikTok, um, but that's my choice. I mean, others, it it, it doesn't matter where you get it. You're going to get it somewhere. But it does kind of bring up. What I've long thought, as far as, you know, whether it's the race stuff or the the gender stuff, I mean, this this has all really been what, like 10 years, maybe that it's really exploded. And it's no coincidence that it's the rise of social media. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you have foreign elements that are that are pushing a lot of this, because look at how it is dividing us. I mean, it is we are using our own freedom and our own First Amendment rights and our technology to, to fight with each other now on these issues, which are divisive and they're not as they're not like popular issues, right? I mean, if you go and poll half the country, um, should we ban uh, medical procedures that sterilize children before they're able to consent? I think most people would say yes, yet they're still doing this, right? So they're, they're allowing these these few voices, this minority of people that believe things um, to really dominate the conversation and, and then actually push this stuff. And it seems like it's normal because it seems like there's more people pushing it, but there really isn't. It's a vast, vast minority. Problem is there's not enough people paying attention to this. Right. They'll just say, oh, well, that's not really happening. That's not going on because they're not as dug into the, the granular levels and they're not sitting there looking at their Twitter scroll or wherever mm. where it's all coming in. And they're seeing all these things happening over the country. It's only the people that care about it, which, again, is also a small minority. So you've got these small minorities of, of individuals that are fighting about these monumental things. Uh, and until we get more people paying attention, I think, you know, we're going to be going to a bad place.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that is, again, the crux of all of this is to maybe understand what the fuck is going on in your local community, at least. Um, so you you wrote a, an op ed a couple of weeks ago, I think, or maybe it was last week about the 12 rules that you use to fight back against this stuff. I want to pop through a few of these just for the audience's sake, because I'm there's a lot of parents out there and, you know, they, a lot of people just don't know what to do. You show up to a school board meeting with a book that's pornographic, that's in uh, an elementary school. And you're like, you start reading from it and they kick you out of the meeting. Like, well, you gave this to my child. You know what I mean? So I think people are pretty confused about what they're actually allowed to do. And I think these rules are are, are a good place to start. So the first one is every neighborhood is a battlefield. What do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, well, I think that it's funny because the, the left, you know, they got to hold that first chapter out right here like he wants to turn every neighborhood into a battlefield. Like, no, no, no it already is. OK, you want to live your life the way you want to live your life. You want to believe the things you want to believe. You want to raise your kids the way you want to raise them. But there are people in your neighborhood, in your community that think you should live your life the way they want you to. That you need to believe what they believe, that you need to raise your kids the way they approve of. And if you don't do that, they will cancel you. They will try and cancel you whether it's publicly whether it's privately so you always have to be on your guard because these are the very people that are the ones showing up at pta meetings that are getting on the school boards that are actually going out there and making policy in your community so you need to be very aware that
1: you know you, your friendly neighbors aren't necessarily your friendly neighbors mm. yeah what did uh, plato so if you're not if you don't take an interest active interest in the running of your government you're doomed to be ruled by fools i believe is the quote something like that um, the second one is activate, investigate, communicate. Um, and you mentioned everybody knows about FOIA requests, although I don't think most people know how to how to do a FOIA request, frankly, but uh, they, they know that it exists. But the Protection of People's Rights Amendment, I'm not familiar with that personally. Can you tell me what that is?
0: Yes, yeah, so the protection of people rights amendment is a law passed in the, uh, in the 70s. It's been amended a few times since then, but it effectively gives you access to the curriculum and the classroom materials that are used in school. They can't charge you for it. They have to let you go in and view all this stuff. It also gives you the ability to opt out of surveys. Um, so certain surveys, for example, that ask about th- things of a sexual nature, political nature, uh, family nature, religious nature, they have to request, you have to opt in for that, right? They have to give you notice of that. And then you can, I'm sorry, you can opt out of that. Um, and, and you have to be able to see those surveys. So those are some other vehicles you can use other than FOIA because the one thing with FOIA is you start doing that, you're gonna, you, you get some good information, but then the school district will start figuring out the game and they'll start charging you, they'll make it extremely difficult for you to get the information you need. So the PPRA is another way to get around that and go in and inspect the curriculum.
1: Interesting, Uh, that's good information. Uh, Next up is always flip the script, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so um, I I used the example of this this private Facebook group that wanted to infiltrate parents and um, parent groups and wanted to publicly expose them. Uh, well, you know, they got infiltrated and they got publicly exposed and became a national news story. And that ultimately resulted in parents coming together, starting organizations, you know, really exposing Loudoun County public schools. It's like, hey, great idea. Infiltrate, publicly expose. That's exactly what we're going to do. So, I mean, always look to to flip the script, even, you know, with the, the Jeffries thing and the Holocaust. All right. My quick thought was yeah, you know what, actually you guys, the ones that are in charge of the schools, aren't the ones teaching the Holocaust. Here, I'm gonna go do some quick research and find out that you're more focused on transgender issues than you are on actual history.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got, uh, uh, the child of a friend is maybe 14, 15, and she said, uh, somebody mentioned the Holocaust one time in mixed company, and she asked what that was, and, uh, my, uh, ex's son who's 50 and didn't know what it was either. I'm like, is this real? you like, you guys don't, if they were seven or eight, it wouldn't be surprising. But it, and, and these kids are going into high school now. It's like, you no, nobody's told you about this stuff yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you almost, you fight on their ground. It's like, you want to make that argument, I'll find where your argument is wrong. And then I'll point it out. You know, so many people say, Oh, no, 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 we don't want to, you know, look, it's same thing. They've got three copies of roots in the library. Okay, all right, they got three copies, but that's, you know, 36 more than the transgender kid book that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're sitting there talking about teaching
1: accurate history, teaching the history of slavery, it doesn't seem to be too big of a priority for you. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Next up is identify the quote, unquote, bad guys and take it to them. How do you when you're going through this process how do you differentiate between somebody who just has a different opinion and somebody who you would classify as the bad guy
0: yeah i mean i think that people that have a different opinion are willing to debate you they're willing to debate the issues right and and one of the things that we found in our school system early on was with the critical race theory issue look we knew it was there we saw all the slides we saw videos we saw an email from the former superintendent saying yeah no we use it it's part of our social justice curriculum and our teacher trainings but the, the current superintendent and the school are like, no, 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 we don't, we don't teach critical race theory. We don't teach critical race theory. Okay, well then you're lying. Like if you wanna debate the issue and say, no, no, we do use it and here's why we use it. And then you can have those discussions, right? You can debate the policy. But you find the people that are lying. You find the people that are covering things up because the, if they're doing that, they're doing it for their political agenda and they're sacrificing student safety, they're sacrificing academics for their own agenda.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, if, if, if somebody's response to you being critical of something is just to, you know, call you racist or or whatever, right, that's pretty obvious that person's not arguing in good faith. Um, turn your fight into must-see TV. Is this about um, Alex Stein?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's certainly a good example. I think that, you know, we what we've seen over the past couple of years is school board meetings have become must-see TV. Right. I mean, you yeah, know, they used to be sleepy affairs. You'd show up, you you would protest the budget or something like that. Um, you know, nobody's going to tune in for that. But they're all they're all recorded. They're all on video. And I think we we latched on pretty early to the idea of parents going in and reading from these books. They would hold up placards or just giving really dynamic speeches. And then you got to get it out there, you know, tweet it send it to the media, put it out on an email list, get it moving because if people will see it, then they'll start to understand this is not some manufactured thing. This is actually people going out there. Unfortunately, you know that's a good avenue for social media because you can start using social media to get this out there. And it has sort of a, a snowball effect. Now you've got parents all over the place turning their fights into must-see TV.
1: Yeah, Libs of TikTok does a pretty good job of that. I mean, there's still quite a bit of people out there that don't believe that all this stuff is happening. Uh, I don't know if they're intentionally obfuscating the truth from themselves, or, or, or if it's, uh, you know, if if maybe there again, there's some level of incredulity to it. It's like there's no way that this is happening, and then you see a video of like a, a five or six year old little girl stuffing dollar bills into the waistband of a grown man. Um, so it's, anyways. So don't get stuck in the mud. This one's obvious. I mean, it's like <laughs> there they're going to try to deflect from the actual point of the conversation and define terms or whatever, right?
0: Yeah, and and you know, I kind of look at when you're dealing especially with with bureaucracies and in our fight with our school board and administration, you know, at the beginning our focus was was on, all right, you got all these school board members part of this group and it's, um, it's a Freedom of Information Act violation. It's a First Amendment, Act, or First Amendment violation. And it was a big picture. These people are not following the rules. But then it became about critical race theory because they were arguing with us about it, right? Now, we could have just made the whole thing about critical race theory, but then, oh, now you've got a teacher that goes in front of a school board meeting to speak out about, about their transgender policy and he gets put on suspension. Now, if we keep talking about critical race theory, we're fighting their fight. But instead, we adapt to, to the new fight, which is, All right this is what we told you about they're putting their own political agenda over the you know the rule of law Mm. so we shifted to that you know first amendment rights we started talking about the policy itself and then oh what happened next now we've got a, a cover-up of a sexual assault and a, and a second sexual assault. You know, now we're talking about Title IX. Now we're talking about student safety. They all fell within the rubric of, you know, bureaucrats putting their own political agenda ahead of ahead of what they should be doing. But we were flexible, and we didn't just get stuck in, like, one area where they, they could engage us. We would just keep moving to the next thing.
1: Mm, yeah. So, I mean, and, and again, this kind of leads into the next one when they mobilized Go Gorilla, right? Because the, these... Uh... The teachers' unions in this country are completely fucked. I mean, it's, it's, they, I, I don't know what they've done to service or protect children in as long as I've been in, uh, aware of them existing, frankly, because nobody argued harder to keep kids out of schools for two years than uh, Randy Weingarten from AFT. Like, I, it, it's insane. And, and and there's receipts, there's video, there's tweets that are still up that haven't even been taken down that these people deny constantly that they were like, we were trying, we were fighting hard to get kids back in school. It's like, no, you weren't.
0: Yeah, well, you know, on that note, as as far as that rule goes, um, first, yeah, I mean, Weingarten, obviously, they're, they're gaslighting. Um, they've been gaslighting. They'll continue to gaslight because the more they can spread their message, they assume that people won't, won't dig in. Um, for us, I mean, I think a lot of people saw the story. Uh, there was a June school board meeting where a dad gets arrested and he becomes sort of the poster child for the insurrectionist parent. And, you know, that school board meeting seemed like a setup to me. I mean, they they were trying to pass their policy. They were getting people there. And it was it was tough because now the narrative has changed. We've been so successful up until that point. And now we're starting to see the, the narrative come the other way on the media, right? Now we start getting the, the Garland memo and the NSBA. So we just really shifted our approach. We were less concerned with, at that point, being out there at school board meetings. We were more concerned with doing the work we needed to do, which we were, we were gathering signatures to remove school board members. We were getting into court with them. We are attacking them from all different angles, but we weren't as focused on, you know, getting in a big fight with them in the media. We're gonna let them carry the narrative. We're gonna focus on what our mission was, which was trying to get rid of these school board members.
1: 100%. Yeah. Uh, next up is do not stop at the wall. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. Look, everybody's, this is a long fight, and right. the left has been at this for decades. And you're going to get frustrated and you're going to you're going to get, you know, they're not going to give you your foias, or you're going to have tough moments or people are going to start breaking off and doing their own things. You say, well, you know, is this really worth it? But, you know, at some point, you just got to burst through it and say, no, we have to keep going because you got to get to the other side. There's always going to be that moment where you feel like you can't go any further, uh, but you can and you just have to push through it and find a way to get through it and get through sort of the, the mental exhaustion of it.
1: Yeah. And that's the next one. You got to believe, uh, you know, that having that true North and, and believing that it's possible to get there is th- those are probably the two most important parts of any fight, to be honest. Like if you're a, if you're a literal fighter, if you're an MMA person and you go into a fight and you're like, ah, eh, maybe I can win good luck, bud. Cause you're probably not going to, honestly, you're gonna, you're gonna be hesitant and pull your punches and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And we, you know, we had a, we had a tough task.
1: Um, Again, we were trying to remove six school
0: board members. So we had to get all these signatures. And you know, it's it's really hard to do in Virginia. It's not like a recall campaign where you have a new election if you get the signatures. You actually have your commonwealth attorney who is our Soros-backed prosecutor that litigates the case against the school board. Well, this was all about them being in this group, closed meeting, FOIA violations, etc. cetera. She was in there too. We're like, we're never gonna win with her, but we just didn't. we didn't worry about that. We kept going, we're like, we're gonna do this. We'll figure out a strategy sure enough we were able to intervene in the case and then we were able to get her disqualified and get an actual prosecutor in there so now we were litigants along with the prosecutor and then you know a week later the school board member resigned and you know I don't think we would have been able to get 25,000 signatures in the course of you know 6 months if we didn't sit there and say look we can win this and not just that but then we saw you know what this is actually having an impact on our statewide election we just got to keep going forward
1: mm, and then don't let them off the ropes be aggressive Yeah, really. I
0: mean, don't let them off the ropes. Once, once that school board member resigned, um, then we found out about the second sexual assault, the cover up. And um, we drafted new petitions to include that. We had 13 days to do it. We could have been, you know, all right, well, we, we got one. Um, let's just relax and we'll go into the election. We were like, no, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. We redo these petitions. We gather enough signatures in two weeks leading up to the election and then we file them after the election. We won that election and we showed up and we filed those two court cases right after that um, because we weren't done and we weren't going to quit just because, oh, you know, Glenn Youngkin's governor now. Everything's great. No, you just keep going. Because mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't do that. Right. As conservatives, yeah. we just say, oh, we got the win. All right. Let's you know let's just be satisfied with that. Well, they're not gonna quit,
1: so you can't quit. Sure, that's the next one too. Don't be overly uh, reliant on past success. It's, uh, I don't know if you watched the last dance, but that quote from Phil Jackson's always stuck with me. You're only a success at the moment you perform a successful act. I really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, and and, and we kind of fell victim to that in some ways, um, kind of continuing to tell this story. We, we We had two more school board candidates in court um, and we had them on neglected duty and we included the, the sexual assault cover-up, right? And so I just employed the same strategy. Oh, well, we're going to move to intervene and we're going to disqualify the Commonwealth attorney and we'll be great. Well, you know, the other side mobilized, they pulled some strings, they, they got the judge recused. Um, Our Commonwealth attorney recused herself and brought in a new Soros Commonwealth attorney who we didn't have a conflict on, and they ended up getting rid of the case. They literally dismissed the case. Um, the, the, The lawyer who was supposed to be advocating for the people dismissed the case. Now, if we had waited, if we had waited a year and held on to those petitions, we would have had a special grand jury report and an indictment of our superintendent. And then we could have gone into court and said, here's your neglect of duty right here. But we were impatient. We followed the same strategy, and as a result, we weren't successful.
1: And tell me about playing the end game.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to sort of the beginning of it, right? Which is, look, you you may have these individual tactics that that you're working on, right? And for us, you know, we wanted to we wanted to hold this school district accountable in any way possible, right? We wanted we wanted points on the board to show, hey, we we lit the fuse here. We showed what was happening and there was justice served. And so while this was going on with our court case where we got kind of screwed, um, we also knew there was a special grand jury. So that was happening. and Everyone was focused on these removal cases. But we were really focused on getting as much information out through public channels of communication as possible, because we knew everything we put out publicly, the attorney general's office was going to see and then they'd be able to you know, investigate based on that. So as much as we could find through Freedom of Information Act, we were focused on making sure that now it wasn't us holding the school board accountable anymore, but it was the, it was the attorney general's office and a special grand jury. That was what we were focused on. And then this report comes out. And sure enough, everything that we had been saying for a year and a half was vindicated when a special grand jury issued a report memorializing it.
1: Yeah. So it's not enough to just win the fight. That you're in currently um because it's not a battle it is indeed a war and i and and even winning what what does it mean to win that war it means one being vigilant but also rebuilding a system that actually protects kids right i mean that's that's a big part of it so it's not about each individual win i mean that's great celebrate it for a day and then move on that's that's kind right. of uh if you if you read uh uh, principles by Ray Dalio. He talks about that a little bit. Like, you should celebrate victories for sure. It's good, great for morale. Um, but you should move on to the next thing pretty immediately because we're still we're still fighting here. Um, tell- yeah,
0: I mean, you know, you're a football team. You win a regular season game in October. That's fantastic. You celebrate that night, and then you're on mm-hmm. to the next one. And ultimately, you're looking to win a championship, right? And then when you win that, now you're looking for the next one. So you mm-hmm. never really ha- stop. And, and you asked earlier about wh- what's the end game for them. They're never going to stop. And so if we stop, we just, you know, say, oh, well, we did it. We got our superintendent. He's gone with mm-hmm. our school spokesperson. He got indicted for perjury. None of these school board members, they're either gone or they're not running again. Like the mission accomplished. But somebody's just going to fill back in that pipeline and institute the same thing. So if you're not continuing that fight over and over and over again, then you're just going to be back where you were before.
1: Yeah, I like the way you laid all this out. I like, uh, you know, people absorb lists well orga- organized thought but there's a lot of you know oh boy there's a lot of lists that are just like all right cool man now what like what am i supposed to do now but there's a lot of practical examples and you guys have actually been through all of this stuff using the strategy tell me about the book the book is called parents, of the, parents unite, of the world unite how to save our schools from the left's radical agenda uh tell me about the book
0: Yeah. So it came out it came out last uh, Tuesday and it really chronicles the the story of Loudoun County through these each chapter being one of these rules. Right. So the op ed really just takes those rules and expands upon it with what we did, kind of like how I went through that through it here, obviously in a much more detailed way. I mean, I think it's funny, too. I think I think people will get a laugh out of it. And that's one of the things that I always try and I always tried to bring, which is you know, a little bit of levity, uh, you know, if you're going to go fight, you can't be angry all the time. Like, yes, it is serious. But look at where you're going up against. I mean, the, the left is is so serious. They're so humorless. They're so joyless. You know, I don't know how they live with themselves. And look, we, we enjoyed fighting for our kids. We enjoyed this fight and will continue to do so. And, and sometimes, you know, the best way to, to get the left is to just mock them. Mm. I mean, just just show everyone how ridiculous their ideas are, how ridiculous their their actions and tactics are. Nothing infuriates them more.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of that in this book. I mean, that's been the purpose of a theater since at least. Well, I mean, there's examples in Rome as well, but uh, since at least Shakespeare, it's like. Holding up a mirror to, to authority and showing how ridiculous it is—the emperor's clo- new clothes, right? I mean, we we hear about these stories all the time. Um, I I agree. I think comedy and mockery can be a very effective tool because it, it's hard to take someone seriously that takes themselves so seriously that they can't laugh at themselves sometimes. You know what I mean? That to me, that that reeks of fundamentalism and not really any kind of uh, any kind of thought. So the, you, this book just came out. Yep, last week. How's it doing so far? I
0: mean, so far so good. I was on um, I was on Tucker Carlson on Tuesday night, and you know, it was at like ten thousand on the bestseller list. There's like thirty million books on Amazon. The next morning, it was at seventy-two. So you know,
1: it's looking pretty good. Well, right now you're at number one in education policy. I'm not sure how competitive a category that is, but uh, these days it probably is. Um, so you know, just to wrap up here. You guys have been doing a lot of good work, um, but this is kind of a, n- not your work generally, but this is a very isolated situation in Loudoun County, and I, but, but I've heard similar reports all over the country of stupid shit like this going on. Um, people, It's one thing to pick up the book and read it, but then people I feel like are going to be pretty motivated to actually do something. Uh, is there a place, aside from just following your, your guys' social media or whatever, that they can go to for resources for stuff like this?
0: Well, I mean, certainly they can go to AFLegal.org, that's America First Legal. Um, Parents Defending Education is another great organization that, you know, really documents a lot of what's going on. And then you can follow me on Twitter at ENDprior. I mean, a lot of people send me things about what's happening and I'll post them. Um, but, you know, I, I would just say get involved. Look at look at the different news uh, media outlets that, that cover this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of them, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, Daily Signal, Fox News. And, and get engaged. And, you know, this book is really meant to to kind of be a resource. You can apply it anywhere. I mean, this is happening in every school district. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a red state or a blue state, this is happening everywhere. Um, so I think it's a, hopefully it's a resource for for parents to either inspire them, but also give them some some practical ideas and for them to develop their own strategies and tactics and, you know, crowdsource
1: them really so that we can win this fight together. Sure. And to be, to be clear, this isn't some I don't think this book is in, is inherently political. You know what I mean. Protecting no. kids is not a political issue to me. It's, I, people would call it, People would refer to this as a right wing book right now, probably right. People in the media at least. But that's uh, I, I don't recall seeing anything right wing in it. And if it's if it is indeed right wing to not want your kids to be taught that they're racist because they were born, uh, I guess I'm right wing. I don't know. That seems kind of a silly bar to set though
0: yeah and look we had we had democrats we had Independents. i mean we had a lot of people that i think and that's why youngkin won i mean mm-hmm. it's virginia it's not a red state he won because he had democrats voting for him he won because he had Independents voting for him and the reason why they were voting for him is because of the education issue and you know we had democrats on our board heck there are democrats out here there are elected officials that i can have good conversations with about these issues not everybody this isn't a Well, if you're a Republican, you're this way and you're a Democrat, you're that way. It may seem that way from the parties, from the party organizations that at the elected official level. But you know, just because somebody is a Democrat, and you know, likes, I don't know, traditional Democrat values doesn't mean they also support what's going on in our schools these days.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you're a liberal, and you found yourself here accidentally, you can still read the book, I guess is the lesson Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we get out of here? No, just,
0: just get the book and, and give, it a, give it a good review on Amazon if
1: you're so inclined. Great. Well, look, we really appreciate your time today. It's been a good conversation. I like the way you lay everything out. I like the way it's systematic and there's practical examples. I think this is going to be very useful for a lot of people.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yes, sir. Anytime. Thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen.